my grandfather's last words to me before he kicked the bucket. Do you know what he said to me? What? How far do you think I can kick this bucket? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking embarrassing! <laughs> oh, hey guys! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to Contagious Curiosity with Kat and Lainey. I am Lainey. And I am Kat. And we have a doozy for you guys today. Actually, we have a doozy for you the next two weeks coming up because Kat and I decided that we wanted to dip our toe into some family annihilators and um, some just kind of nasty pieces of work of the female persuasion. And we're going to bring you some some nice, lovely, juicy stuff. Yeah, um, as we were doing our research and discussing some of these topics... Uh, we came to the conclusion that we just had too much to put into one episode. And we've learned from the past that if we don't split up things where they may, uh, well, it gets awfully sloppy and it gets a little two-hour longy. So <laughs> so uh, we decided to um, cut up this baby into a two-parter, pun intended, and bring you yeah, some gruesome and sadly terrifyingly depressing stories so yeah Absolutely. yeah yeah and so um uh what are you uh what are you drinking today oh so i have got a bit of still working through the tea so i've got some mm. sweet tea with a little bit of fireball oh let me tell you i hate fireball yeah not a fan our friend michaela left it in my possession when we all went tubing down um the Kennebec Reaper in Maine and it, I just it was it's been staring at me for a little bit so I put a little splash in there but it's mostly vodka so there's just like this like hint of a cinnamony kick which is not bad if it's just fireball and like a fireball heavy then I freaking hate it but this little like hint of cinnamon in my tea actually pretty nice I suppose when paired well and not just shot out of the cannon it's not it wouldn't be so bad I imagine that it would also good go what well, would go well with oddly enough maybe an eggnog or some kind of holiday themed beverage you know, you're not wrong it probably would at I first like my face was immediately went to disgust <laughs> and then like as, as i thought about it i was like no 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 that that makes sense that tracks that tracks that tracks right that tracks <laughs> uh well it's a that's definitely a little classier than mine i myself um I stopped at a store in North Conway, New Hampshire, and picked up um, this pretty amazing looking soda. It is called Bloody Nose, um, and it's from Gross Gus's uh, Indian Wells Brewing Company. It's so incredible. It is, and it's a wild cherry soda. I'm going to include a picture um, on Instagram and on all the social meds so that you can see what it looks like. But I'm pretty damn excited for my upcoming beverages here. And I found a place where I am definitely going to re-up. So I am going <laughs> to post a little linky poo uh, to that store because it is yes. a wonderful little hidden candy store treasure. And boy, do I love those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. There's this this place in uh, um, Old Sacramento, Old Sac, California. Old Sac, California. Old Sac, California. <laughs> 
It's funny. (laughs) Even living there for the short time I did, it's like it became so normal to me that every time I say that to somebody else, be like, oh, well, I kind of want to go to Old Sack or that store in Old Sack. And they're like, excuse me, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, that does. Ah, Good old sack. (laughs) It is pretty great. It's a lovely little town. I bet you they sell. I bet you they sell a lot of T-shirts. They it's surprisingly no. There I don't think I've seen like even an uh, like a gag like old sack t-shirt. That's funny that you mentioned that there isn't. But there's this place called G Willikers. It's just <laughs> amazing. And there's like a little old candy store in there too and they even sold Moxie there, which is nuts. But um right down like right down the road, there are all these just like really cool shops. There's a costume shop there that's like two or three different levels that has everything that you could imagine every genre of costuming you could imagine so freaking cool and then this big ass candy shop and usually there are people outside with like trays of candy crickets or candy ants and like offering free samples and when you go in you always get like a ticket for one free piece of candy while you're in there it's the freaking best oh i love it well speaking of that because where i got the sodas was a different candy shop that was in one of like the little malls that you walk around but there is a candy store in north conway that um that i was taking to that that i was taken to after and what zeb's general store Ooh. have you heard of this place no so so that also that is a two-story candy store no is it a two or three story I can't remember, but um, I know that walking through it, it was like this long, the first floor was just still like original hardwood flooring. And it had, you could, it had like this scent to it and like candy floor to ceiling and literally anything that you could ever want or could possibly find was in this little store. And up top, they had all these different themed sections as well. And all of these, like just, there was a giant moose and like there was a Christmas like section and like inside of this candy store. It was so awesome. Yeah. The one I was talking about in Old Sacramento is called Candy Haven. I wanted to make sure that I, I got the name right. Candy Haven. Yeah, understandable. You guys, if you East Coast or West Coast, there are plenty of candy stores, mom and pop candy stores that you should definitely check out because they're amazing. Good old sack. Good old sack. All right. Well, uh, now that we've talked about something sweet and delicious, let's get to something horrifically depressing, shall we? Oh, my. (laughs) So I'm ready to hear it. I'm ready to hear it. But like for some reason, this story, I remember briefly when it happened and i like i remember hearing about it but after going the reason why we're splitting this up into two is because like kat said so much information on it and the more episodes that we do the more we get into our groove the better we are getting at being hosts for you guys and the better we're getting at research and so we're we want to do these topics justice we want to give the people that are involved in them you know the right amount of time and do this correctly so yeah probably the better you know we we do the longer these episodes will be the better content we'll have for you and um hopefully this is this is one more step in the right direction so i agree i agree we are an eclectic podcast but laney and i both really enjoy not i mean ideally learning learning things but also coming to each other and presenting it in like such an extraordinarily theatrical way that that's that's what that's what we're kind of finding our groove with remotely um so i i do agree that 
everything that we talk about in regards to these stories, no matter how recent or how old, everybody deserves to, to be given at least the most accurate information possible with all the best resources available so that you know exactly where we're getting these things from as well. So, yeah. All right. And without further ado, here is the story of the Hart family. A picture may be worth a thousand words, but out of that thousand, how many are true? Six young black children, their two white mothers, and a nose-licking dog pose in front of a camera. All are clad in different colored flannels, all are making goofy faces, and all are looking to be having the time of their lives. It is literally the picture-perfect depiction of what a happy, healthy, non-traditional family should look like. Nothing but silly smiles and love is emulated in the photo. But when the camera is put away and reality is back in focus, the hearts were far from the idealistic family they portrayed themselves to be. Sarah and Jen Hart were two Midwestern women who in the spring of 2018 shocked the world when their Yukon was discovered belly up at the bottom of a cliff on California One. The women and some of their adoptive children were found dead inside the vehicle. Did they lose control of it? Did their brakes fail? What caused this tragic accident to take place? wasn't an accident at all. Before going into the details of the crash, it's important to take a look into the history of these women, their children, and how this family came to be formed. Ooh, my heart's beating super fast. I'm all nervous. Oh. Like, <laughs> well, after, after I saw I saw pictures and of the family, mm -hmm. and I think after seeing the images, it, it really does convey... Yeah, that's what an I was impending, trying to say. An impending sadness I know is coming. Like before, yeah, I, what I was trying to get at too earlier was saying just like how much this, this story has affected me from researching more into it and why it has become so long is because it just, it, it's, it's claws have sunk into me. It's all I've been able to think about all week long. Oh, that's so and, sad. Uh, I've just been staring at their faces. Yeah, every, every day I've been looking at these kids and these two women and it's just... Whew, I'm all a flutter, and not in, like, a good way. <laughs> so even from birth, Jen and Sarah shared many similarities in life. Sarah Margaret Gangler was born on April 8, 1979, in Big Stone City, South Dakota. Exactly two and a half hours away in, in her on South Dakota, Jennifer Jean Hart was born less than two months later on June 4th. Both were the eldest children born in their family, and both decided to pursue elementary teaching degrees when they went off to college. Sarah and Jen had originally started in different colleges, but had transferred to Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota, which is where they met in 1999. It didn't take long after they met for Jen and Sarah to start a secret relationship and fall in love with each other. In the, in the numerous Facebook posts, Jen would describe how difficult it was to live in secret due to the prejudice surrounding homosexuality across most of the country, but especially in the Midwest. And that's something you are going to hear me say a lot, is what Jen said on Facebook. In a post Jen made on Facebook, on Facebook Jen said, okay. we're going to hear that yeah. constantly because the woman lived for social media and okay. the attention she got from it. Um, and so, uh, she also stated on Facebook <laughs> that they had lost many friends when they made the decision to come out. After Sarah graduated in 2002 with a degree in special education, Jen dropped out of school and never graduated. Later in life, people would describe Jen and Sarah in many different ways. Often these descriptions would contradict each other depending on how and where they knew the women. 
Jen was consistently described as the more outgoing of the two. To those she met at different festivals and gatherings, she was eccentric, funny, colorful, witty, and engaged. To others who that knew her through work or had dealings with her when she wasn't putting on a show, she was abrasive, domineering, narcissistic, and could be frightening. More than a few people have made remarks about how insanely in love with Sarah Jen was, almost to an unhealthy degree. In later years, Jen was constantly posting on social media about the family's lives, and if that was where you were getting your information about her personality, all you would see is this outgoing, nature-loving, social justice warrior hippie girl that just wanted to spread peace and happiness to the world. But as we know, looks are more often than not very deceiving. Sarah was the more reserved out of the two, and spent most of her life working. She was described as having a great work ethic, being bit gullible, cold, callous, and more easily agitated than her partner Jen. One of her co-workers at a department store remembered Sarah as always having a bigger emotional reaction to things that didn't warrant such a response, but then no emotion to things that required that kind of attention. She described a situation when Sarah was particularly stressed, where she became enraged about how sexist one of the mannequins on the floor was because the mannequin's nipples were too big for her liking. So Sarah dragged the mannequin to the back of the store, where she proceeded to saw off the nipples by hand before returning it to the front of the store. Oh my god. Though she... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though she had these odd emotional outbursts from time to time, her co-worker remarked about how quickly she could go from being irate behind closed doors to being the picture of professionalism when she was in the sight of customers, almost like a switch. Um, so in 2005, Sarah got her last name legally changed to Hart to match Jen's, um, and later in 2009, they ended up getting married in Connecticut before gay marriage was legal in every state. So for the interest of clarity and simplicity, I'll be referring to the two women as the hearts from here on out, even though the marriage didn't come for a few more years. It just, right. Okay. It's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. In my, the story, the, a lot of the research is like the same last names, the same thing over and over again. And I was just like, yep. this is a little, Ooh, it's a little redundant, especially when you yep. have, I suppose more than when you have more than a few people. And in your story, you have a family. Um, a family of eight. Yeah, there's a lot of names. <laughs> so in 2004, the couple, now in their mid-twenties, moved to Alexandria, Minnesota, where they decided to be a bit more open about their relationship, though they were still cautiously guarded. Sarah never did end up becoming a teacher. Instead, they both got jobs working at the biggest department store in the area, a Herberger. 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 Which is the noise I make when I'm just like, I've tried saying it, making it not sound like that. So I've practiced saying it, but it just, it's, it's Herberger. Is that like Herberger. a regional specific store? It must be. It's a big department store. Okay. A Herberger. Herberger. <laughs> I can't make it sound not ridiculous. Herberger. Later that same year, they decided they wanted to start a family and eventually became the foster parents for a 15-year-old girl. To most, life for Sarah and Jen looked to be going nowhere but up, but not to Sarah's 19-year-old co-worker, Jordan Smith. Smith talked about how as a teenager, she looked up to Jen and Sarah for being themselves and open about their relationship. She saw them as the perfect role models for what a non-traditional family should look like. It didn't take long after the Hearts opened their home to their foster daughter for that perception to crumble. 
They, were all, they would often complain to Smith about the foster child, saying that she was difficult, ill-behaved, and that she was eating out of the garbage. Smith said that most of what Sarah complained about seemed like normal teenage behavior. She stated, quote, it felt like mean girl gossip, and that Aww. she felt sorry for the girl, right? I mean, they're, they're in their early 20s. Like, they're basically kids themselves, you know? Your and brain they, doesn't stop fully deforming until, what, 28 or something? Did they adopt her or is this a foster? This is a foster daughter. And then um, her name is never, never mentioned. Okay. Yeah, so she felt it was, it was like mean girl gossip and that she felt sorry for the girl because it was clear the women weren't giving her the tools she needed to develop into a successful adult. Even at 19, Smith knew something wasn't right about the situation. It was clear the Hearts didn't enjoy being the girl's foster parents and they were left unsatisfied. As a result, the couple started looking into adoption process, but not for the girl that they already had in their care. Instead, they were put in contact with another foster family in Texas who were caring for three young biological siblings, eight-year-old Marcus, four-year-old Hannah, and three-year-old Abigail. The Hearts shared pictures and stories about the siblings with the foster daughter and were very open about how excited they were and how she was going to become a big sister. At the end of April 2005, a week before the three siblings were set to arrive in Minnesota, Sarah and Jen brought their foster daughter to what she thought was a routine therapy visit. Instead of working through past traumas during her appointment, she was thrust into a whole new level of distrust and pain when the therapist informed her that the hearts would never be coming back for her. Oh, no. They dropped her off without so much as a goodbye. That same day, she moved into a new foster home where, like some kind of perverse magic you would find when reading Harry Potter, she found all her belongings were already there waiting for her. Heart-breaking. Smith remembers being disgusted at them by when she heard how they had handled the departure of their foster child and couldn't understand why they thought adopting three children was going to be a better situation. To Smith, it was clear that the hearts were in over their heads and were barely able to be fit guardians for a teenager, let alone the mothers of three siblings that had already been dealt a bad hand in life. They were still very young adults themselves, and being made the mothers of three overnight didn't come without its hardships. The three siblings were placed into the Hart's care on March 4, 2006, and their adoption was finalized September of that same year. Years later, Jen would make a Facebook post about the struggles of the first night with her children, Marcus, Hannah, and Abigail. It was a very long post, as almost all of Jen's are, but here's a piece of what Jen wrote. I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like for a child who had lived their entire life in inconsistency, abuse, and neglect to be swept 1,200 miles away to a new place with the promise of, quote, this time will be different. She also talked about how the youngest smeared poop on the wall, that Marcus claimed to be possessed by a demon and would yell and spit at them, and that one of the girls suffered an asthma attack and needed to be brought to the ER, all on the first night. After their deaths, no one could find any medical history or hints that any of the eventually six heart children had asthma. Was this an overly dramatic Facebook retelling of an already dramatic situation for social media clout? Or was it really as hectic as Jen made it seem? After the adoption, Jen quit her job and became a stay-at-home mom while Sarah continued work at Herberger, becoming the main provider for this new family of five. I can't help it. It just makes me giggle every time. I can't. <laughs> Sound like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Helberger. 
<laughs> Stop. <laughs> when she had to go back and work at the store. Store. <laughs> <laughs> they were receiving some money from Texas Adoption Services, but with Sarah ever only earning roughly $45,000 a year at most, money was still tight. But even so, it didn't take long before Jen and Sarah were looking for even more children to adopt. Two years later, in June of 2008, the Hearts adopted three more children, all uh, biological siblings, again from Texas. It was six-year-old Devante, four-year-old Jeremiah, and three-year-old Sierra. How long did they wait in between? Two years. Two years. So... Two years. Oh, my. Yep. Only ever earning one income of $45,000 a year. Do you get a family? Do you get like a, like, do you get money? Yeah, they were receiving some money. Okay. They were receiving some money from Texas from the adoption services. But I mean, still, still. it's not like. Yeah, I was just wondering if that's, that is something that happens. I feel, I know foster is. I just don't know if after adoption you end up, you know, you're adopting and you can take care of this child. How much it is because it's different every state. Mm, um, mm. But I, you know, yeah. Okay. I do receive some. Okay. All right. So, um, Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra had been taken away from their mother due to her crack cocaine addiction. At birth, Jeremiah was not expected to live more than a few weeks due to the large amount of cocaine in his system. And there were traces of cocaine in their mother's system right after the birth of Sierra. The siblings had an older brother, Dante. But he was not adopted with the hearts by the hearts due to behavioral issues. So actually, what happened um, is they were taken away from their mother. They were given to their aunt for a while, and she wanted them. She wanted these babies and to take care of them. And um, she ended up getting called into work one day. But part of the like one of the stipulations of her taking care of them was that the children were to never be in contact with their mother. And she got called into work and ended up calling their mother to ask them to come watch the kids while she went to gotcha. work. And there happened to be a visitation during that time. And the kids were immediately stripped from a family member. Which is, it's super, it's really difficult to say, you know, because the, it was part of the stipulation, yes. But also, at the same time, you had a family member there that was willing and ready to take care of them. And they, Yeah. Oh, so, that is such a hard, that's such a hard conversation itself. Yep. Yep. So all six of the now heart children had been deemed difficult to be adopted because unfortunately in the U.S., black children are adopted at much lower rates than white and biracial children. And also because of their age ranges and because they wanted the, to keep the biological siblings together. Jen and Sarah seemed to be the perfect saviors for these children and could offer them a second chance in life. And Jen especially would play that card to her advantage as much as she possibly could. Look at these perfect. Are you talking about the social media clout? I'm just talking about in general. She put off the airs constantly of look at what we're doing to save these black children. Look at how incredible we are. Look at, you know, we're opening our homes to six children. Always just playing that, that white savior card. Right. the time. Correct, yes. So now that the Hart family has fully been formed, this is when the story starts to become much darker. I'll be discussing instances of child abuse and, of course, eventually the death of six children. So take this as your 
your trigger warning, if you will, or your just gear up and get ready warning. Yeah. (laughs) The first recorded instance of abuse that we know about was in 2008, when the family was living in Alexandria, Minnesota. A mother whose son went to the same elementary school said that you couldn't help but notice the kids. She said that they had this aura about them that immediately made you take notice and remarked on how she had assumed that all five children must have been the same age because of how small they were. Part of what made the kids stand out so much to her was their behavior getting in and out of the family vehicle. Quote, they all looked like little soldiers, she said, describing how they were made to wait in a straight line and walk single file in and out of school. If anyone has ever been to a school drop-off or pickup, you may already realize how odd that is, but if you haven't, you might be wondering what the big deal about them being in a straight line is. This is not typical behavior for children, especially young children, and it's not natural for them to be silent and still. This was a behavior that was clearly and strictly taught. Like little soldiers, this would not be the first or last time the heart children would be described as such. Many different people in many different settings and states would make similar remarks. So that's the first instance of abuse or a suspected no. abuse? No, that's that. this is just um, the first abuse comes in 2008 i so i was just about to get into this is just when the kids are in school and this is um a remark one of the mothers made okay okay so on september 19th 2008 a staff member staff member of the washington elementary school noticed suspicious bruising on six-year-old hannah hart's arm according to the police report made hannah said that her mother had hit her with a belt when questioned the mother said that she must have fallen down the stairs and was just being dramatic eight stairs to be specific they made that they made it a point to say oh she must have fallen down the eight stairs which is odd to me like, i don't know i don't count my stairs i do very often you do Every, i don't know i'm one of, i i do but still so it's still explaining abuse it's still like, odd must, to oh, say she fell down the, the correct uh, you know eight whole stairs that's a lot of stairs yeah i don't know it just seems <laughs> very eight odd stairs no absolutely it is definitely um out of the ordinary The Hart women would often call their children, quote, drug babies, and said that they have behavior problems and developmental delays. This was always their justification for anything the kids did that they didn't approve of. Two months after this recorded incident, Jen and Sarah removed all the Hart children from public school so that Jen could homeschool them. Oh, here we go. Yeah. During this time, Jen would post many idealistic pictures of her children learning from home, all with inspiring, well-written captions. Everything from outside, from the outside seemed beautiful. Look at these two amazing mothers taking their children's educations into their own hands and giving them real-world experiences. It was just so much of that. Just like, look at how amazing we are at being parents. It was just oh, all the time. In the fall of 2009, so a year later, the five school-aged children, Marcus, Hannah, Devante, Abigail, and Jeremiah, were re-enrolled in school. Sierra stayed home with Jen because she was still too young. When asked by social services what made them place the kids back in public school, the mother said that it had been a requirement of their adoption agreement. Remember that. Other parents of children who went to public school with the Hart kids remarked on how they never saw the children playing with other kids. They always seemed very reserved and quiet and far different from the happy-go-lucky family that was plastered all over social media. According to another police report, in November of 2010, Douglas County Social Services got another concerned call from the children's school. Abigail, who was now in the first grade, 
had been discovered stealing food from other classmates and digging in the garbage around the school for scraps. Later that month, she had told one of her teachers that she had, quote, owies on her tummy and back. This next bit is a quote from a report compiled three years later by the Oregon Department of Health and Human Services. Quote, Abigail had bruising on her stomach area from her sternum to waistband and bruising on her back from mid-back to buttocks, reportedly caused by Jen Hart, according to Abigail. But in the CPS interview with the couple, Sarah Hart said she was the one responsible for the marks. The worker said this incident was over a penny. They had discovered a penny in Abigail's pocket and asked her about it. Abigail said she had found it. Jen and, Hart, Jen and Sarah Hart did not believe her and said that she had stolen the penny and was lying about it. Hence the spanking, which got, quote, out of control, per Sarah Hart. Abigail also said that they had put her head under cold water and Jen had her two hands on her neck. They did it together. Well, in the report, Jen stated to investigators that she knew of the spanking you know quote spanking sarah gave abigail but didn't do anything about it remember abigail said that it was jen the stay-at-home mom that did this to her not sarah sarah hart pleaded guilty to the domestic assault and was sentenced to 90 days in jail but was never required to serve uh to serve time due to the terms of her probation instead she was given community service it is thought that even though sarah was the one working Jen was the one receiving the monthly assistance uh, assistance checks from the state of Texas for adopting the kids out of foster care. So she would have, so it would have gone south pretty quickly. Yep. She was also the one that the social security checks were written out to for Devante and Jeremiah. So yeah. even though Jen was the one, I mean, Sarah was the one out there working every day to bring money home. They couldn't have Jen take the fall if all of the checks are being made out to her. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. She was also the one... Um, oh, because of all these checks... Because all of these checks were in her name, they probably thought that the domestic-slash-child abuse conviction would put an end to those funds. Sarah was officially charged with two gross misdemeanors, malicious punishment of a child, and domestic assault. Ugh. Jumping to December of 2010... Minnesota Child Welfare learned of yet another suspicious bruise, this time again on the oldest sister's sister, Hannah's hand. When questioned, Hannah said that Jen hit her because she lied. She remarked about how Jen hit her, quote, all the time. When the school nurse called the Hart mothers to report that Hannah was asking her classmates for food and saying that she hadn't eaten all day, Sarah re retorted that Hannah was just, quote, playing the food card and to just give her water. Four months. Yeah. Yeah. Just give her water. Oh. Four months after this latest question of their parenting, on April 5th, 2011, all six heart kids were pulled out of their elementary school, never to return to public education, officially moving the kids off the grid. Not long after, the family of nine moved to... Sorry, family of eight moved to West Lynn, Oregon, once again uprooting these six children who had hardly any stability in their short lives. So even though they had said earlier that it was a requirement of their adoption that they needed to have the kids in public school, now they've just thrown caution to the wind and have officially pulled them out for, for good. 
Well, you can't get any more uh, complaints because then you're going to lose them entirely, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. This exactly. is tragic. So they up and, up and left. They up and left Minnesota. Now they're up and leaving Oregon. Or, uh, I'm sorry, no, they just up it. They up and left Minnesota to move to Oregon. To move to Oregon, yeah. Yep. So Jen, once again, returns to social media, posting a sentimental goodbye to their lives in Minnesota on Facebook. She wrote, quote, Packing the last ten years of my life into boxes. It's almost surreal walking through the house. Empty walls, empty drawers, empty cupboards, empty rooms. The kids' art supplies, instrument, games, and toys are packed. I was feeling kind of awful about the lack of things for them to do during the transition time, until this morning when I was taking down the boys' bunk beds and heard the loudest, silliest, full-on belly laughs and guffaws coming from the other room. I walk in to see a trio of kids sitting slash laying on the bare floor. Not a single thing exists inside the room except for their little bodies. They were telling stories, making up silly songs, and laughing themselves into sprawled-out piles of utter bliss. Ah, yes, simplicity at its finest. What a beautiful reminder of the things that matter most are not the things at all. We have each other, our songs, our laughter, our love. These are the magic moments. Live, laugh, love, laugh. I hate her. Fuck you. I hate her. Fuck you. I fucking hate her. Yeah, dude. This is what I'm saying. After I have spent hours scrolling through her facebook post i don't even have a facebook of my own anymore because people once again praising reddit even though it's a crazy place i love reddit so goddamn much and people have compiled um many 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 um portfolios and files of just jen's facebook posts and some of sarah's which are almost certainly written also by jen because it's the same cadence it's the same bullshit it's the same thing the same thing and i just i hate her so much <laughs> this, this she is person. beating her children which they one are... which one is she in the picture you sent me um okay let me see jen is the one getting her face licked by the dog okay she's of course she's a home mom she's so of course so that yeah she's going facebook she's going uh you know, reaction crazy on that one. Mm, and Sarah's, yeah, the one doing the hang loose. Yeah, sign. There. Yep. So, it's fantastic. All right. Oh, I've been waiting. I because because of the way Cat and I do this podcast, we tell each other, we inform each other while we record. So I keep we keep whatever we've been researching secret from each other for the whole week. But I have been dying all week to <laughs> bash on these two women with somebody else and my partner he's a great man but my god he doesn't get it and he's just like nods and kind of like yes dears I mean, he's, he tries but <laughs> it's just not his thing and so i just ooh, ooh, i cannot stand i don't know women. why i'm asking i'm asking for like you know displeasure but um i'm gonna go on reddit now and search for some of these posts because i just need to be angry for some reason oh i'm gonna i'm gonna read some oh later on too are. because i yeah no i i i, I like uh, they're just so infuriating like i said so like, now uh, so now they're on their way to oregon where in oregon uh west lynn west oregon lynn it's not too far out of port too far away from portland 
Um, yeah. So, like, uh, I'm, uh, uh. How do people just uproot their life like that? How does it work? Can I do that? If you're running away from child abuse allegations, I'm sure it's a hell of a lot easier. I suppose it's a good motivator. It is a fantastic motivator, you uh-huh. slinky slime yeah. bitches. Anyway. You fucking bitches. Is it <laughs> is a gen with one N or two? Yeah, one N. Okay, good. A West Lynn neighbor of the Hearts, Bill Groner, was interviewed after the deaths and recounted a time when he was having a conversation with Sarah at the mailbox, shortly after the family had moved to Oregon. She told Bill about how they had received racist and homophobic notes in their mail. Bill said that he had felt bad and wanted to be sure that he came across as accepting of these two lesbian mothers and their six black adopted children. Was this a strategic move by Jen and Sarah to tell people around them that they were essentially victims? Would this inspire the neighbors who potentially look to potentially look past things that may typically raise red flags if yeah. they're trying to be as accepting Damage as possible? control. Damage control. Yep. Who wants to be the neighbor who comes off as judgmental, racist, or homophobic? If they question the parenting of these two women. And not like, only that, but... Ooh. Yeah, and not only that, but if they're going to move away, the less people wondering why they're gone, or the less people going, oh, I'm going to check their Facebook and see what they're up to. Oh, don't you worry. Jen made plenty of posts to justify their move and played the whole pity me card of we've gone through so much, had to get new phone numbers because people were harassing us. We've got people sending us all of these nasty letters and death threats. There's no, but nobody's been able to find any, any, proof. any proof, any proof, any proof after or during, like while they were alive or after they, they never reported anything to, to anything. the police. They never reported anything to the police. Of course they didn't. God, no. Two terrified, two terrified people. It's not reporting anything. But, oh my god, Jen, like, makes all of these posts about how she's, she is one of those women who confronts the hard conversations and will, you know, tackle on the difficult task of educating other people about what is racist and what isn't and what's PC and what's not. And she, you know, is ready to tell everybody what she thinks and give her them a piece of her mind. But yet, when they get these supposedly threats... To their lives and to their children? They don't make any... Hmm. There's no hmm. fuss about it. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I know. I feel like the pot is starting to boil, and it hasn't boiled over yet. And oh, It is simmering still, it, unfortunately. <sighs> All right. So could this pity me play help ensure that those surrounding them would double think their political correctness and help shield their double life the way they were living? Yeah, Bill sure thinks so. And obviously so do I. Uh, Bill sure thinks so. (laughs) By this time, Jen was posting about herself and the family just about every single day, if not multiple times a day. Typically a long-winded, wannabe esoteric message of love, happiness, simplicity, accompanied by a very staged picture of her kids. But more often than not, it was of Devante. Slowly, you can see Jen place Devante at center stage of her social media spectacular as he becomes her poster child for the happy normal life. One of these posts came on June 11th, 2003. This is it. It says, Me. Any particular reason you're naked? Him. In a most matter-of-fact fashion. I'm not naked. I'm wearing a guitar. Yep, that's my string bean. Not naked. Guitar playing machine. The picture that accompanies this post is a heart. 
heartbreaking image of a clothesless Devante standing in what looks like to be the Hart family living room, strumming away at a guitar that covers everything private and flashing his traffic-stopping smile. Due to the lack of clothes, it's easy to see how incredibly thin Devante is. He looks so small for his age. His arms. It is nothing but skin and bones. You can see everything. All of his bones. It is gut-wrenching. And Oh, wait. There's another one I wanted to read. Yeah, so this one is... This is a little bit before June 5th. 4.53 a.m. text. Love-infused day begins. Sunrise over Willamette. Goat bleats. Chick peeps. Hug attacks, helping hands, picnic packers, bald eagle messenger, mountain air, rivers rushing, coastal quest, crashing waves, sandy toes, Karen building, cliff climbing, water splashing, sun soaking, breeze blowing, song singing, gulls visiting, photo snapping, rock collecting, boisterous laughing, treasure finding, seals lounging, sea lions barking, blue heron beauty, forest frolics, sea spruce, octopus tree, Lighthouse beaming, raccoon hijinks, walk and talk with deer, Columbia beginnings, jetty jumping, dune climbing, sand pier scurrying, second eagle visit, hand holding, love sharing, Pacific sunset, coastal silhouettes, tree shadows, darkness driving, dreams unfolding, goodnight kisses, and cherry pie on top. Thank you for all of you and you and you for the influx of birthday love received. I didn't have reception on my phone most of the day, so I'm still reading and listening to all of the birthday messages. Blah, 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 blah. Goes on and on. Hey, 34, you're looking mighty fine. Let's dance. And a picture of the kids all staged so they're silhouetted on the sunset. So this is at the beginning of June 2013. The picture of Devante strumming the guitar was on June 11th, 2013. And so a little over a month later, on July 18th, 2013. The first of two more reports were made to CPS by people who knew the Hart family. So this is, people are noticing at this time that they're making these, these posts, that she's making these love-infused bullshit lying posts. The people around them are seeing what's happening to these children. They're coming inside the home. They're seeing what it's like. They're... (sighs) They're around them. They're talking to them. They know what... Yeah. They're probably hearing all the complaints from... Yeah. Yep. So, according to the CPS report, the caller who who remained anonymous said, quote, Jen does this thing for her Facebook page where the kids pose and are made to look like one big happy family. But after the photo event, they go back to looking lifeless. The same whistleblower also explained that Jen had ordered pizza for the kids, but it would only allow them one small piece each. When Jen found out that someone had finished the pizza in the middle of the night, she punished all six kids by making them wear sleeping masks and laying silent on an air mattress for five hours. They told CPS that the children would eat freely when Jen wasn't around, but if she entered the room, they would deny that they had eaten anything at all. The second whistleblower identified herself as Alexandria Argeropoulos, someone the Hart family had stayed with while on one of their many road trips. In a statement with, after their deaths, Argeropoulos said that Jen ran the family, quote, like a regimented boot camp, not letting the kids cry and punishing them for laughing too loudly, end quote, and also remarking, 
true kindness, love, and respect for the kids was largely absent. Oh. Meanwhile, she's making posts about them laughing raucously, full belly guffaws, yet in reality, they laugh, they get in trouble. How fucking strange is that, though? How, but that's such a blatant, that's such a blatant lie. What makes one think that, how could you, are you ripping, are you ripping your shirt? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yes. I'm I'm raging. And I just like grabbed my shirt and I ended up ripping it because I am so pissed off by these women. I totally did hear that. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you and I have dealt with these people. Not yeah. to the point where they abuse their kids, but we have dealt with these hippie, loving, just loving of peace and happiness. And we're just shedding, sharing the best parts of ourselves. And we are nothing but perfect. But look at me, I'm a vegan. And look at me, I'm just this perfect person. And in reality, they are shit human beings. And I don't know, there's just something about seeing the hundreds of likes on her posts and, you know, like 50 comments. And I'm just like, people, she has this. She has to be, she has to be friends with random ass people, too. Like people who don't know her. So a lot of people that they met at like the festivals and things like that and these gatherings and things. Yeah. I have a lot of people before I, um, I stopped using Facebook. There was a lot of people on there. I was like, who the fuck? Who the fuck? Where where did you come from? And I had to do like a super, <laughs> super heavy ponder. And sometimes I would go through their images, but I'd be like, you feel like a five year ago person. Let's let's go back. Oh, oh, yes, yes, oh, yes, yes. There you are. Yep. Yes, yes, person. I totally know what you mean. <laughs> I remember them. I remember their scent. Yep. I remember yep. their scent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she said that the true kindness love respect for the kids was largely absent others who spent sustained time around the family said that the children acted quote scared to death of jen and that they were like trained robots Mm. after these reports child welfare went to the west lynn house on august of 2013 despite the heart mothers not wanting them to be each of the children were questioned separately about their lives and how they were doing According to a CPS report, Devante volunteered to go first, and almost all of the kids' answers were exactly the same. It was clear that the mothers had coached their children on what to say. There were no mentions of past abuse, and Marcus said he was grateful for his mothers for, quote, changing my life. One of the social workers noted that apart from Devante, the kids appeared very reserved and showed little emotion or animation. So imagine that. Imagine Marcus, no animation or emotion, just going, I'm grateful for my moms. They changed my life. Just that slate of, (sighs) I'm saying what I've been told to to say. (sighs) When it was time for Jen and Sarah to be interviewed, they fell back on one of their favorite excuses to blame everything on the children's, quote, developmental delays. They told the caseworker that Abigail had been quote, labeled borderline mentally retarded. That Jeremiah was, quote, globally delayed. And globally autistic. Globally delayed. Yeah. What is... What, yeah. What is... is that- I'm, I actually made a note to look that up to see if that was a, a real thing. And Keep... I no, go ahead. Keep forget. reading. Keep reading. And I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. And explained away Hannah's missing two front teeth, saying that she fell while running the year before on a hardwood floor. Yeah. 
Hannah, by the way, no two front teeth for a long ass time. Never got her two front teeth back. She told social workers that she was told that she had to wait till she was 17 <gasps> to get a retainer for teeth. It's not true. That's not true. They just kept her without her two front teeth. Hold on. According to the hold on, hold on. Global yeah. development delay is an umbrella term used when children are significantly delayed in their cognitive and physical development. Yeah. So now, would that really be because that that, that, that was actually given to them, or would that be because of the starvation? Honestly, mm. honestly, right though. Mm. Jesus. <sighs> yeah. Um, according to the report, Jen was, quote, adamant that many of the family's issues stemmed from others not understanding their alternative lifestyle. Jen said she only disciplined the kids by talking to them or making them meditate for five minutes, end quote. A doctor who worked with the Oregon Department of Human Services said that all but Jeremiah, who, by the way, Jeremiah was the one who had the cocaine in his system at birth and was not expected right. to live. If any of the kids should be behind physically, it should be Jeremiah. But all except Jeremiah were behind in their growth to the point of falling way off the charts. Even so, he noted that he didn't have any concerns for the children, but there, there, but that there should be a follow-up visit to check on the kids' progress in six months. This follow-up visit never happened. In the end, the investigation could not conclude whether the hearts were guilty of anything or whether there was, quote, a safety threat. The hearts stayed in West Lynn for four years before moving, yet again, this time an hour north to Woodland, Washington. The mothers never registered their children as homeschoolers, so at first, the state of Washington had no record of the six children living there. Jen filled her Facebook page with all of these seemingly incredible adventures that she and the family would go on. They attended a lot of what the community referred to as, quote, transformational festivals, and where the family would pick up the nickname of the Heart Tribe. Basically, their hippie gatherings that were a mix of music, yoga, organic food, and spreading love. I mean, Kat and I have spent time yeah. plenty throughout our lives. We've worked at them. We've camped at them. We've done everything at them. Like, honestly, but. yeah. Honestly, they, they, they can be really great experiences or they can be incredibly uncomfortable like most things in life. Mm -hmm. But I always yep. I always came out always feeling, very feeling very tired, but always being able to go, damn, I have some stories. So I had a great I, yeah. freaking time. Yeah. yeah. Apart from the t apart from like random dehydration, which is my own fault, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I say random dehydration. Yeah. I planned it. I planned it. <laughs> You're gonna have to make sure that we are on top. Like we each need to drink, have one of those camel packs when we go to. I love that idea. Bottle. Yeah, I love we that idea. We need to have like five of them a day. Yeah. <laughs> Because some, it's gonna be uh, very hot. Yeah, put some additives in them. Put a little bit of, put 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 some put a little bit of salt in there to. Help oh, I was also thinking that we should we should get yeah some of those Pedialyte packets. There are packets mm -hmm. that we can put in them. So we we shouldn't be talking about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is very inappropriate. For for a, for a moment for a moment I was about ready to bring up something else that we should bring and then I was like oh yes yes podcast story. oh wait 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> death of six children that's right okay. oh oh dear my 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 
Often in these pictures, you would see Devante wearing a handmade sign around his neck that read, Free Hugs, with a giant smile. If you, you guys should look up a picture of Devante Hart. He is just, he looks so happy and just like, just so handsome and just a perfect little man. And uh, it just breaks my heart. In the fall of 2014, Devante, now age 12, would go viral as the boy from the picture that was known as the hug felt round the world. Yes. During a BLM protest, someone snapped a picture of Devante in a blue fedora and tears streaming down his face, hugging a white cop in riot gear. The picture was suddenly everywhere, and the family was thrust into a little bit of the spotlight. You little, also a little spot. viral. A little viral. Yeah. That's, it was that's pretty what, viral there for a minute. It was, well, that's it also was, what Jen like, was everywhere. using him for. She was like, this man is going to do things. He's going to be my clout But on her machine. Facebook page, it was controlled. Now that it was, like, out of her control of who was seeing it, who, like, now it's everywhere. It, she cannot control who has access to these pictures. Now her son's face is everywhere. Right. That's fair. And so um, you can also spot the Hart family standing behind 2016 presidential presidential candidate Bernie Sanders during his infamous Birdie Sanders rally when a small bird lands on the podium he's standing at. A, fe- a fellow festival goer and father that knew the Hearts later talked about how when the picture first blew up, different TV shows and news channels wanted to interview the family and that they had been... Uh, had been approached about having their own reality TV show. He remembered how he looked up to to them in a way that Jen and Sarah... He looked up to the way that Jen and Sarah handled the situation and never exploited their kids for an instant in him. Ah, ah, At the time, he thought they were being really incredible mothers by protecting their kids from prying eyes. But now looking back, he realizes that they probably didn't want the attention because of the history of abuse that they have done such a good job at hiding would likely come out well that and you can only control so much in the household and now you have somebody and, and a if team you are of regularly people. beating your children and depriving them of food then yeah you definitely don't want a team of cameras in your house at all times yeah or the kids to have an avenue of people regularly at their house that they could get messages to or advocates tell on them or advocates else, yeah? for them which the the thought of any TV show producers or workers like reality TV show being advocates for children is just fucking laughable. It is fucking laughable, especially with all the news that have been that's been coming out recently of all these like child stars exposing so much shit. Now been it's going on since the dawn of time. It has since been the dawn honestly. Of time. But yes. Okay. Anyways. So now we're gonna jump pretty far ahead. We jumped so, to the summer of 2017. 2000, so we went from heart- we went from 2015 to 2017. 14, yeah, 14. like 14, 15. Okay. To 2017. When one of the Hart children has finally had enough. In August of 2017, 12-year-old Hannah jumped out of her bedroom window at 1.30 in the morning and ran over to their neighbors, Bruce and Dana DeKalb. Bruce remembers opening the door, and before he could react, Hannah flew into the house and ran upstairs until she found Dana and begged them not to send her back. Hannah said that her mothers were racist and abusive and that she didn't want to go home. Moments later, the DeKalb see that there are people outside with flashlights and calling Hannah's name. When Jen and Sarah got to the DeKalbs, they too, like their daughter, rushed into the home before Bruce could stop them. 
They explained that Hannah was really upset because she had been fighting with her big brother, and she was acting out to get attention, also stating that Hannah's mother was bipolar. And yet again, calling them drug babies. A few days later... Oh my god, cows, just, just oh yeah, using constantly, that? Constantly, constantly. Anytime anybody has any question of anything, oh, well, you know, they're drug babies, and they've got developmental delays, and... Fucking, uh, sorry. Whew. A few days later, the DeKalbs received a handwritten note that looks like it was written by a child, but sounds like it was constructed by an adult. It reads, Dear Dana and Bruce, I stopped this morning because I feel awful about disturbing your peace and worrying you in the middle of the night. I was very frustrated with my brother and didn't handle things very maturely, and I'm sorry for telling lies to get attention. I'm working on being more honest and finding better ways to communicate my frustration. I've been sad about two of our cats dying recently, so I was just very sad and frustrated last night. Thank you for being kind, Hannah H. The whole situation freaked Dana and Bruce out. But Bruce, like so many people, thought it was best not to get involved with personal matters. But Dana did not let things go so easily. She started taking notes of everything she saw. In an interview she did after the crash, she mentioned how, the, how after the Hannah incident, the Hearts put up blinds in every window and kept them closed 24-7. She noted that she never saw the children outside playing. Even though there were six children, um, she only ever saw Devante doing hard labor around the house. Dana would keep watch of the house, even admitting that she had become obsessed and that she was practically stalking them. She would wait until she saw one of the kids outside bringing out the trash to bring out her own in the hopes that she could get a message to them. She wanted them to know that they could come to her if they ever needed anything, and that she wanted to help them. She had one such opportunity when Devante was bringing out the trash in the rain. She tried speaking to him, but he kept his head down and wouldn't say much, answering, Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Oh. Dana saw that when he got back to the house, Jen had seen him talking to her, and yelled at him, then forced him to stay outside in the rain. Devante never brought the trash out again. Steve Frockvik, I, I can't pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Frockvik is the best I've got. Dana's father ended up taking matters into his own hands and called the authorities on November 18th, 2017. He couldn't sit with the information that those kids were potentially struggling any longer. Around March of 2018, Devante started going over to the DeKalb's house and asked for food. He would refuse to come inside, but Dana would ask him about the family and how things were going. At first, Devante wouldn't say much. He stated he started to come back repeatedly, and their rapport grew. Eventually, Devante confided in them that everything Hannah had told them was true and worse. He told the DeKalb's that at first, his mothers would deprive them of food here and there when they did something, quote, bad but then it started to become much more regular and for longer periods of time. Devante showed up to the DeKalbs on March 15th, 16th, 17th, 20th, and 21st was the very last time, and the very last time was on the 22nd. This is of 2018. He had asked for six jars of peanut butter, apples, cured meat, tortillas, and specifically non-perishables. Dana wondered if they were going to run away. Unfortunately, if that was the plan, the kids never got a chance at their run to freedom. On March 23rd, 
Dana felt that she had compiled enough notes and decided to finally call CPS herself with all that she had recorded. But when the social worker got there, the Hearts refused to answer the door. On March 24th at 3 a.m., Sarah sent a text message to her co-workers saying that she was too sick to come to work at the Coles she, that morning that she was a, an assistant manager at. And later that morning, when the DeKalbs woke up, they discovered that the family's Yukon was gone from their driveway. They also noticed that they must have left in a hurry because the vehicle had crashed into a small dividing wall, sending cinder blocks flying all over the driveway. Oh my God. March 25th at 8.05 a.m., a surveillance camera in Fort Bragg, California, Safeway, captured Jen buying food, bananas, saltines, and Chef Boyardee ravioli. Friends said that she was about 25 pounds heavier than they had ever seen her. Due to toxicology reports, we know that Jen and Sarah drugged their children with Benadryl, likely putting it in their food because each of the children had roughly 20 pills in their system. Sarah also had large amounts in her system as well. We also know that Jen was above the legal alcohol limit and was driving the Yukon with the family inside, down the coast of California 1. With the children sedated, Jen parked the Yukon roughly 70 feet from a cliff's edge for a short while oh my before God. slamming her foot to the floor and sending the entire Hart family flying through the air until they met their deadly end at the bottom of an over 100-foot drop. The bodies of Jen and Sarah, both 39, Marcus, 19, Abigail, 14, and Jeremiah, 14, were immediately found at the crash site. Two weeks later, the body of Sierra, 12, would wash ashore. On April 2nd, only the foot of Hannah Hart, 16, was ever discovered and was able to be identified thanks to her, her biological mother's DNA. The body of Devante Hart, 15, has still never been found. Thanks to the computer inside the Yukon, authorities were able to determine that there was no, this was no accident and that these two mothers had taken matters into their own hands and joined the incredibly small percentage of female family annihilators. A psychologist, Dr. Todd Grande, thinks that they, might, they, thinks that they didn't leave the house with the plan to drive off the cliff in mind because they had made an online payment and bought food right before, the, before their deaths. He thinks that maybe they might, they might have originally just been planning to escape authorities, but as they went, they devised the plan for murder-suicide. He believes that due to Jen's narcissism and Sarah's inability to rein Jen in, that the thought of them losing their white savior persona and having their fantasy perfect life crumble around them was too much for the women to take and that like with all family annihilators, they chose the most dramatic, harmful, and absolutely cowardly solution to their problems. So. So all of the children were sedated and already mm -hmm. asleep. No seatbelts on anybody. Jen, I mean, Sarah had um, been looking on her phone. She searched things like, does it hurt to die? and how much like Benadryl it takes to drug an adult woman and like a whole bunch of other things that she had, she had been searching um, routes to suicide for a while on her phone. So now I personally, and there are a lot of other people who agree, and I know it is 100% plausible and maybe even likely that the ocean did take Devante. I mean, obviously we only ever found Hannah's foot, but me personally, 
I believe that they noticed or knew that Devante had been talking to the DeKalbs and accidentally killed him. And I think that's what set off. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because they never, they never found his body. And I really do think that because the way they left in a hurry, I mean, they like the last CPS showed up at their house the, the morning that they had died to for the last time. And like, I, so there were people on their trail and they knew people were on their trail. So yes, they absolutely could have just, you know, been wanting to escape that and needing to get away. But in my heart, I personally believe that they accidentally killed Devante and that was the final straw and they knew there was no getting away from that. Right. And, and so they developed decided to take them all. Yep. So yeah well the thing is and i've spent like i said i spent a long time looking at different posts she's made i've spent a long time on different um forums that have talked about the heart families and a lot of people who knew them and there was one woman who had worked with them and I've, i've she posted on reddit about how she immediately saw through the facade when she worked with Sarah, but she knew instantly because her own mother was abusive and um, they, she saw all of the, the red flags and all of the similarities and she knew she never bought their, their crap for a second. Like, yeah. okay, so this is, uh, like, let me just read yet another, like, because they're those people that make shit up, like, obviously, I've, 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 said it i mean it's clear by the fact that they killed their children that they lied about everything well they create what media, you're saying they, they're they're they they formed their personalities as like in, in a creative way they they built up a facade of of and i think it's 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 that sounds like some whew, that sounds like some it could be a lot of things but it definitely sounds like there's a little borderline in there you got narcissism borderline you got a whole bunch of crap all mingling together plus the like sarah made a comment to one of her co-workers that she was like i wish i had been told that i didn't have to have a big family because jen and i would not have adopted all of these kids and especially when you think that they come from the midwest and that that is you know like a big part of it and being two lesbian women that want to prove everybody wrong too, that they, they can do everything like, look, that the we same. can do it yeah we look at how we can have our whole family even though you know it's like a na 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 in the face of society that they thought was telling them that they couldn't have a normal life so they instead showed us all you know swish 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 quote unquote showed us that they could do it by adopting six children like i just i i don't know why this story has bugged me so much i have done so much research on serial killers school shooters just mass murder you know like all of these horrible people and this for some reason i think has stuck i think for me it's sticking because it's just another story that shows you how well the the child care system and the adoption process and the fostering system and the cps system all have such incredible loopholes that create toxic environments for things to slip through the cracks. There was another story recently of a woman who worked for um, 
um, she was she worked for I think she either worked for CH uh, CPS or like a DHHS, and she had she was a caseworker and she filed. Um, she was filling in her notes, but she wasn't doing them on the day that she needed to do them. So this is what happens. They become so overloaded with all these cases and they, they're supposed to do all these visits and do all these things and an inconceivable amount of time that you just don't have mind you in your own vehicles and at a shit pay. And then this woman saved a lot of her documentation for a single day. And when she did it, she documented, oh, checked in with mother. Everything was okay on the day uh, on the day after this said mother had murdered her child and was <laughs> already arrested and she was already arrested and in 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 jail and this child was dead and this worker's penning checked on mother you know checked, or, it. checked in mm. everything's fine good to go i think well, that's what did you ever watch me. the um documentary on netflix the the case of Gabriel Fernandez. I haven't seen it, oh, no. God, it is gut-wrenching. And it was the first time that social workers were ever charged with murder because they didn't, they failed at their duties. I don't think any of them ended up actually getting sentenced, but all, like there were like eight, I think, different social workers that were charged with murder because this little boy died and he shouldn't have. He was, like, his teacher was reporting all the time. He had cigarette burns and just, like, was constantly... Very obvious wounds. It was so obvious. And there were multiple times where a CPS worker showed up to the house and he was locked inside of, like, a cupboard in this tiny, tiny space while the CPS worker was there. Never laid eyes on him. And they said, ah, it's fine. They, They basically knocked on the door and was like, all good here? Okay. All right. Awesome. Bye. And left. Like it's just and I get it. I know. I know they're so overworked and they're so underpaid and so you get the worst of the worst. It's like the the, the jobs you and I have had in different like caretaker positions when it's always the and worst people that end up staying the longest at those jobs. Oh, oh yeah. The patients horrifically. And but then there are people who just get so burnt out for trying to do the right thing and trying to keep well everything above water and correct and trying to give the best life to these people and you get burnt out because I, you're met with nothing but opposition absolutely, absolutely low pay and no psychological help for the workers you I, have you have five free <sighs> visits or four free visits a year in the state of Maine at least for under most insurances but yeah, yeah, I not enough. I left like a, a job. I left a job. I was getting paid eight dollars an hour. Um, I was dealing with uh, coworkers who had a superiority complex over mm-hmm. uh, clients that I was working with. Mm-hmm. Um, we would work together as teams in a house, and we worked in a house with nonverbal clients. And I've witnessed. I've witnessed. It's more than assault. It's just it's just straight up violent uh, outward aggression. I've seen oh a worker pick somebody up by with his forearm and knee him, knee the client in the testicle testicles. And I remember reporting this, and I remember oh, it's such a tragedy. I remember that they suspended the 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 person with pay, and then 
there was another person that was kind of under observation, I would say, because they were also complained against and they were also incredibly assaultive to these nonverbal uh, folks. And they let her continue working while mm -hmm. she was under observation um, because they thought just putting cameras in the house would be fine, but the cameras didn't have audio. And I remember hearing this woman walk down a hall and go, well, those, there's no cameras in the bathroom now, is there? I'll never forget it. And I reported it again. And the only thing that they did was the company did let the woman go, but let her go with like a remaining pension for the year. It was like three months till the end of the year. They literally gave this woman free money. It, I quit shortly after that. I did. I quit shortly after that. Um, but that's the and There's another example of like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I yep. was working. Um, I would work like the 16 hour shifts and I would do like two 16 hours and then an eight hour shift. And then I might pick up another eight hours or another 16 hour shift. I practically lived there. Um, it was, it was tragic. And when I remember when I left, I remember feeling like I really hope somebody, I really hope you guys get somebody nice in here. I was like, I would, I remember having a conversation with, with the fellas that I worked with and, you know, even though they were nonverbal, um, they, 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 they knew I was leaving. They knew I was leaving. They understand. Well, you know, and it was very, it was, it was sad. And I think about them yeah. all the time. I think about them often. Yep. Um, you worked with adults and I worked with kids. And, and I, yeah, exactly. Uh, the amount of the aftermath of abuse. Oh, and children. I can, I, I, you, that was, that was a whole separate world with the way that you would describe your, your work and. Yeah. So different. And also I feel like I'd be more terrified in a way. I never, I would never, I've never felt scared at my job. Even if I was being attacked, I feel like I don't know how I, I would react if a, a child concussion. was attacking me. <laughs> I got a concussion. I got uh, my left lateral tendon in my left knee uh, ripped and damaged to my meniscus. That's right. That's right. I got multiple injuries of just like getting the freaking crap beaten out of me. Bite marks. Like, all over constantly you gotta feed the bite and you were still yeah you got exactly yeah you got with the forehead there's the the and, and yeah the forehead and then Blah. the jaw yeah, which is so ridiculous yeah you have to, so if ever if ever anybody is biting you you guys feed into it push into their mouths it makes their mouth open wider so you can get away because don't if somebody's biting you never try and rip away it'll rip tendons it'll rip your skin just push in push into the bite <laughs> I have another good one. If anybody ever has you by your wrists, it doesn't matter how strong they are. Unless I, if you're like me, if you're like me, you have, you know, you're a thick, you're a thick creature. And so I have relatively thicker wrists even. And so people aren't usually getting a, the full hand around it. Or even if they are, there's still a slight gap. You want to turn your wrist in like, so, so that the, like the edge of your wrist is where that little hole is and you want to yank that shit towards your body yep hard. you want to yank that shit towards your hard body yank. and the not more so works you knock yourself in the chest which i did well, in training yeah bunch but, of times <laughs> and i will say i will say that no matter how big the person is who's got you they will sweat yep. and their palms will sweat and if you just kind of keep working i mean to be honest with you i'd rather break free and deal with the aftermath math of a bruised wrist 
um, or, you know, a rashed up wrist because of like the friction, then be stuck in the embrace of somebody who could easily headbutt the oh, fuck yeah. out of me. So, I mean, and this goes somebody to, this is your just hair. Yeah. Oh, somebody yeah. grabs your hair, take your hand, put it on top of their knuckles and push down. It it doesn't matter how strong they are. It will force their knuckles down. Yep. And away. And if they've got you by like a ponytail or something that you can't grab, hold on to your hair, not their hand. Hold on to your hair if you can where they've got you and just kind of go for the ride. While w- you wiggle can. that and shit. That way wiggle that you shit. You can use your your elbows, put them in towards your face to block your face and hold on to your hair. So this are, these are just good tips and advice anyways, because I'm yes, not sure absolutely. It, it doesn't matter who's listening to, to our episode. You know, when we talk about things like in abusive families, we sometimes forget that random things do happen and you can easily be on a street and somebody just kind of mm-hmm. comes at you. And so, yes, it's not necessarily. I was walking home from a bar. I honestly, I, I didn't. Yeah. I attacked. didn't know if you were going to say that story. That's a sad oh, yeah. story. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, it is what it is at this point. And yeah, you never know. And so you got to be ready for whatever. And if you, man, woman, doesn't matter. Having a few strategic things in your back pocket is never a bad thing. A little bit of self-defense. A mm-hmm. little bit of, you know. Word up. Well, are you, you didn't tell that story. Did you, did you, are you going to tell that story? I mean, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's not necessary because I didn't know, I didn't know if it's because I interrupted you. No, I totally no, got no, it, man. No, no, no. I was just like, you know. I, no need for details. No need for the details. Just, just be safe out know, there, kids. Just uh, be safe out there. Don't let anybody hit yeah. you. Stop hitting people. Exactly. Just Don't, stop. Yeah. Uh, have you... Don't be like it. So there's an episode of Workaholics that I watched recently. Well, I mean, obviously it's not a recent episode. But I was watching an episode and it had a child in, it, in there and the guys had to kind of babysit this kid. And they end up going into the into a warehouse where they end up breaking a bunch of mirrors and they pretty much blame it on the kid and the kid's father's been like he's quite an aggressive figure throughout most of this episode and he looks at he looks at the kid and he's like did you did you do this i'm gonna pay for everything i'm so sorry and then he looks at the kid and he's like can you wait till we get home and then it goes cuts to a shadow and it's right before he smacks the kid <laughs> and the sign comes across the screen and it just says don't hate kids Hit bongs. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't hit kids. People just, just don't please hit you kids. guys. Don't hit kids. It, there's really absolutely zero reason for it. Just don't hit people, man. Just don't hit people. I know people Unless who just outwardly Nazi. seek. Punch well, in the face. punch a Nazi. Punch him in the face. Punch a Nazi. <laughs> My partner and I actually got into a not in a fight, but like a solid disagreement, I would say, about that. And one would think, if you looked at the two of us or knew either of our our histories, would think that I am the pacifist. And I'm not. (laughs) And he's just like, there's absolutely no reason to hit anybody ever. It doesn't matter. You're gonna get in trouble. There's no reason to hit anybody. I'm like, yeah, but they're a Nazi. And he's like, no, no, no. Doesn't matter. Don't get involved. Don't hit anybody. I'm like, but he's a Nazi. Nazi. (laughs) Let me hit him him so bad. I'm gonna ram him. I'm gonna ram him. I have struck. I have I have struck before. Um, I I struck a man who, who. (laughs) I was just thinking of the one time I struck, and it it was so pushy. Was it? Well, 
Well, um, well, there's a couple stories. <laughs> but the one that happened, I suppose, the most recently was a road rage incident. Um, and so they were pretty much driving me off of the highway. And they were coming up on, like, a small cluster of traffic that I was in the at the end of. And they were, like, whipping up at going, like, 100 and just kind of pissed off that I was even there. But I'm in this line of traffic. I'm getting off the highway in, like, two miles anyways. And so I'm just in the passing lane going at the same speed as everybody in the passing lane. I can't really can't quite remember. But he just kept, like, getting up close and closer and closer and closer. And anyways, I ended up going over to the left lane when a spot opened. Or the right lane when the spot opened. And I kind of gave him the the jerk off motion yeah. like cuz you know i you know exi- you know the the hand yeah. i kind of looked yeah, at him and shake i shake of the hand and i just kind of well it, i i i didn't kind of it definitely triggered the man like i could see this <laughs> by the way i need to mention it's 7:30 in the morning okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm on my way i'm on my way to work and so this guy he whips up past me, okay? He's like, he's just wasting so much gas hitting that that pedal, just so much gas. And then he comes into my lane again. Then he slows down, so he's so I'm practically, I just, just almost hit him. And then I'm just, now I'm laying on the horn because he's being unsafe. I'm about like a mile now from my exit. And this guy's just harassing me at this point. And I'm like, oh my God. All I can think to myself is once I get off the exit, I'm going to my place of work. If he follows me to my place of work, I'm like, yeah, you never want that. I never want that, first of all. And, I, and also, like, there's no cameras in the parking lot. And I'm like, I'm not going to risk not having something. So I pulled off, and there was a gas station, a big Irving's. And I pulled into the parking spot right up by the front of the building, and there's somebody out there whitewashing, a window washing. And this man parks, like, diagonally. I remember telling you this story. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Uh, this oh, guy, yeah. He parked diagonally behind me, so, like, I couldn't even get my car out if I wanted to. He fucking comes right up to my driver's side of the window. I, cu- I I get out of the car to stand up, okay? He's a good, like, fucking foot. He's got a foot on me. Tall fella, it, but at least in his 50s. Like, an old enough man to know better. Oh. And he's just calling me every name in the book. You know, he's just trying to be intimidating, getting really angry. And I, I have my hand, like, kind of near my pocket, because at that point I had, like, this, I had, um, like, a box cutter, like, a big old uh, razor, razor blade box cutter. I don't know what I was thinking, but I know it was there. And I just, I just remember this, 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 it happened very quickly because he grabbed the upper part of my left arm. And I just remember looking down at my arm, like, like the, the fuck, excuse me. And I looked, I looked up at him. (laughs) I looked up at him and I I realized that he was so tall and I kind of, my, my immediate reaction is punch this man in the stomach. (laughs) So I fucking, I looked at him and then I punched him real quick in the stomach and he leaned forward just enough so that I I got him with my left hand, which was the, probably the weakest shot on the planet. But (laughs) I, cause I'm not gonna, I'm not at all admitting that I was a badass. I mean, I'm admitting that I reacted. I am not saying that I reacted with, with strength, you know, I'm not saying that at all, but it's still, it's still, you know, it happened. I got him in the face 
and uh, he's got really furious. There was already somebody at this point while going inside, calling the police. The police show up, and this man, he's starting to like go at the cops. I'm like, yeah. Oh. I'm like, he has to be drunk. He has like, or s- fucked up, or somebody at just seven died. Seven in the morning. Seven goddamn thirty in the morning, and uh, and acting acting like a fool. And anyways, the in cops ended up arresting him because he had assaulted an yeah, officer. Yeah, that guy's a dick. It was ridiculous, and so yeah, that was that was the more recent of the stories. Oh God, amazing. What about yours? Oh God, what is that festival that would happen in Boston? It was like the, like oh, Boston God, Calling. Can't... No, it was like the. Oh my God, why can I not think of the name? Oh, this is like wannabe punk like music. Oh. Not oh, quite. oh! It was like the vans. Yeah, why the fuck am I having such a hard time? It was like it was like the punks' um, response to Ozfest. Kind of a kind of warp tour. Was yes, even punk. Like calling it punk is like that's just a step up from Battle of the Bands. It's not, it's not punk. It's wannabe punk. It's Battle but of the Bands. Do you remember shit. the band Never Say Never, which is like oh, of course I do, punky band. Okay, so I went and this was like 2008, 2009 Warp Tour, and I had just got done seeing Never Shout Ever. Like that is the so soft core, so ridiculous, so not fighting music. It's a that's and a like that's a palate group- cleanser. That's a palate cleanser band. Exactly. The whole group of people who had just been watching were leaving, you know, and, like, going out of where that specific stage was. And this tiny little girl in front of me, not a child, but just a young, tiny little thing, looks up at me. Because everybody's pushing. Everybody's a little close. It's in the summer. It's hot, you know, but there's just, like, a bump to her here, here, you know. And I accidentally bumped into her again from getting pushed. She turns around and goes, goes, I had it! And left hooks me in the jaw. And I oh. Just went, <gasps> and just flailing fists. <laughs> just like both hands. Just bah, 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 bah. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Your immediate reaction was to squirrel <laughs> out. You squirreled out. You just fucking went just, all directions at once. Oh, just time. like windmill, windmill of fists. Just like not... <laughs> Taking it. <laughs> Completely separated from the group of people I was with. And I finally get back to them. I've got, like, a little cut on, like, my chin area. And I get back and my my knuckles are not doing great. And I was just like, can we, can we go home now, please? Can we go home? <laughs> my other two punches were at, a, were at a concert, too. So I get it. People get really... Oh! Oh! Oh, I remember that one. That dude was huge, and he was so drunk, and you took that motherfucker to the floor with one arm. With one <laughs> arm. Are you it talking, was one of the greatest the guy, things. Was this Buckethead? He was so drunk, and he got he was the one that got on stage, and they were like, oh, you know the song, and got him up to like sing the song, and then he was just like, yeah, It wasn't Buckethead. Who, who, what, no, what concert was that? I think was it was that? Gogol. I think it was Gogol. It was, it was go- in Portland. Oh, 
And okay. he, he like, made his way, after he had just gotten kicked off the stage, got kicked off, and then he somehow made his way, like, back up to the front where we were, and he had been pushing and yelling at pushing, everybody all uh, night. Pushing, yes, and yes. Just all effing night long. This guy was the most, the most hated person you could imagine at a concert. And Kat finally, like, this dude towered over her, and she finally turns around, one arm takes this motherfucker to the ground just and just clears out an entire patch of of didn't they didn't the crowd lift him up over the didn't the crowd lift him up over the grate so that the security we all just gave him to security everybody started screaming and clapping we're just so happy to get that asshole out of there oh my god that was one of my favorite concert experiences in I, the get, world. I get a little a just little short face, with that kind just of your face in that moment of just pure rage <laughs> this t- it's amazing when you describe I it know like- her i know her when you describe it like that, it makes me it makes me saying, "Oh, I got a few, you know, I've struck a few people." So, you know, <laughs> sound a little more aggressive now. <laughs> oh, I just scared my cat. He just ran. Away. My other my other one at a concert was quite simple. It was at it was at a casual I rem- I don't remember it being a crazy show, but I was with my ex and he was one of those types of people that would like stand behind me and like have his hands on my waist or something or on my shoulders and it was nice and um <laughs> I remember you're very opposite yeah. I would immediately be like Get the I liked it you know he, me. I, he, Stop it. he also wanted I'm not to a touchy person he also wanted Ooh. to limit the space that we needed to take up so that we would like be less likely to get pushed around like you're away from each other you're squishier than I am you like more pretty... contact yeah, I'm and okay I am with it. Like, can you not? Can yeah, you, like, can the, you not? The Thanks. sticky, sweaty arms. That's actually oh, yeah, one of my yeah. The sticky, sweaty oh, yeah, arms yeah, yeah. When, when you catch somebody else's arm for a second. Yeah, but um, Nick and I will yeah. be cooking, and like our arms will touch, and I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is a bit like a lizard man. He is kind of like he a, runs like not a, a lizard man. No, he's more of an amphibian. He's more of an, an amphibian. <laughs> he's a frog man. That's what I'm saying. He's a tree frog. He's got <laughs> sticky skin. <laughs> he does not like when I call him that. <laughs> exactly. Tree frog screaming it across your apartment. He's not here. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Woo! Party <Yeah>. out. <laughs> All right. Shit. Uh. Shit, shit, shit. All right. Well, what do you say? What are you gonna? You want to call I, it for the night? I suppose so. I'm glad we ended on happy brutality that we've both shared. <laughs> Keep your hands to uh, yourself. Standard message. Standard message. Yeah. Don't be such an asshole at a concert that a woman has to look at you with pure rage and take you down to the floor. Don't be that asshole. Believe it or not, shorter people do have an advantage because if I can get you in the jaw just right or in the stomach. I mean, take it easy, you know, take it easy. But <laughs> anyhow, um, so I just want to let you guys know that I've uh, started the construction on a website. Um, woo, woo, woo. It's going to be a kind of an, uh, an all-inclusive website, meaning it's going to include lots of everything. Um, it's going to have um, a quick link to our podcasts. We're going to open up to streaming on more services. 
um, open up a little shop on there, can maintain a little blog. Um, you're also going to see me, hit me, cat, in a week or two, um, opening up a TikTok. I know. I'm not necessarily trying to join, you know, the Laney Imperial forces. Laney refuses to download TikTok on. That's reasonable. I don't that know why I'm reasonable. talking in third person, but I uh, I refuse. Yeah. So I will be sending videos to Cat for her to upload. I but. just I just know <laughs> that the I just know that the platform has um, has has great outreach, um, and I would really like to start sharing some fun, interesting, quick facts um, with folks. You know, something Absolutely. that's more than just oh seven days apart. Um, kind of want to hook you, grab you, and teach you a little something that you may not have known. Um, so yeah, you can expect to see us on TikTok. Um, we're going to be updating the Instagram as we usually do. Uh, Twitter, we're on there as well. Um, I post more of the uh, episodes that kind of, more of the episodes and episode artworks and things of that sort. So it's not a super, super active Twitter as I have many Twitter. And so it depends on where I am. And I think Lainey was talking about uh, starting a Reddit community. Yes, absolutely. I will be moderating the Reddit community to begin with and opening that up pretty soon. So if you are on Reddit, come and find us. Absolutely. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, eventually. These, these are, these are, these are near, these are near goals in my opinion. Um, you guys, it's just us. We are figuring this out as yeah. we go. We have no training in this. We are throwing ourselves into the ether and just screaming, love us to yeah. the universe. So we're just trying we're to have fun with man. it. Yeah we're, yeah. we're, we're using it as an outlet, uh, for our happiness. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm I'm currently loving the amount of time and a lot of the things that I get an opportunity to do with Lainey, so I am happy exactly. and content, and we want to just share that with you guys. Phenomenon. And Kat and I will be together this upcoming weekend for the first time in, a, in quite a while, so that's going to be fun. We'll be making some videos together, so you'll actually get to see us interact, and that'll be fun. I'm super excited. Also, if you guys ever want to just say, hey, have any questions, have anything that you want to contribute, please, please, please reach out to us at contagiouscuriositypod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. It's been great. I do want to shout out to our our uh, friend Brian, who has been keeping up with us and yes, commenting Brian. on everything and being super fun. He's great, and we love hearing from you, man. Please keep keep reaching out. It's been yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's been super fun being able to chat with you, dude. Yeah, and we would love to chat with more of you guys, so please reach on out. And we love you. We're so happy to be able to do this. Um, next week, we will be getting another nasty true crime story from Kat, so please stay tuned. And, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Cheers! Cheers. In a study by the Smell and Taste Treatment Research Foundation, the scent women found most arousing was good and plenty candy mixed with cucumber.